Are y'all leave, are y'all leaving? Or? <laughs> Don't go far. Whew, man, that song gets to me. I always have a little come apart uh, in that one. Wow. Uh, welcome to you again. My name is Tim Harris, pastor of Woodburn Baptist Church in the Overflow. God bless you guys. We love you so much. Uh, pastor Brian Ahern, our friends in Perry, Oklahoma, we love you. We love what God is doing with you there. Uh, everybody open your Bibles to Luke chapter 11. I want to speak uh, very simply today, I pray, and hopefully very practically about prayer. Prayer is the very center of your life as a Christian. It's the very center of your life, uh, period. Uh, but unfortunately, many of us drift away from prayer, and I want to call you back to a life of prayer today. Luke chapter 11 comes right down to it. Prayer is, is access to God, and, and, and that in itself is absolutely hard to fathom that, that we have access to God maker of heaven and earth the creator of the multiverse I mean we have access to him recently uh, the rapper Jay-Z y'all know Jay-Z y'all know Jay-Z uh, Mr. Beyonce Beyonce's husband uh, Jay-Z made headlines because he casually referred to the fact that he texts President Obama he, he texts he, he has President Obama's personal cell number and Obama has his cell and they text back and forth about sports or, or whatever that my friends is what you call access that that's access Jay-Z has access to the present that that's access now to give you an example of not having access there was this kid a teenager in Norway who somehow got it in his head that he might call the president of the United States Barack Obama Okay, so this kid in Norway calls the White House, and he knows that Obama's not going to just speak to a kid, a random kid in Norway, so he says that he's the president of Iceland. Okay, true story. He, he says he's the president of Iceland, and apparently you can't just pick up the phone and call Barack Obama. They will send you through several levels of security, even on the telephone, to verify who you are. And this kid got way up the chain. This kid pretended to be the president of Iceland. He did not get to speak to President Obama. At some point, they started asking questions to verify his identity. And, of course, the kid was not the president of Iceland. So they hung up the phone. And within minutes, there were police at his door. Police at his door in Norway. Police at his door. They dragged him down. The Secret Service interrogated him for hours hours and eventually let him go no charges were filed but that's the definition of no access do you understand that's not having access prayer gives us access to God do you understand you have God on speed dial to, to put it very crudely you can simply talk to him and he will talk to you now you just got to let that sink in but I'm afraid it doesn't recent statistics say that 82% of the adults in the United States say they pray at least once a week uh, for usually less than a few minutes more women than men by the way but 82% of people say that they pray at least once a week usually for less than a, than a few minutes on the one hand you would think wow that's great 82% of people pray and I guess we can say yay that, 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 that's great but once a week for less than a few minutes at a time and usually more women than men um, I don't find a lot to celebrate there it says something very dismal I'm afraid about the spiritual nature of, of most of our hearts if we were to understand what prayer is if we we're to understand the access we have in prayer if we had any sort of a sense of the God to whom we pray and his power I have a feeling that we pray more than once a week and for more than just a few minutes you understand Luke chapter 11 uh, offers us a lesson in prayer from Jesus himself. So let's pay attention to what he says, and let's get ready to pray. Listen, once Jesus was in a certain place praying, as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. And Jesus said, this is how you should pray. Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. Give us each day the food we need and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us and don't let us yield to temptation. Okay, let me stop there because some of you are really worried. That's not the way you learned that prayer. Uh, it's what we call the Lord's Prayer. It's really not the Lord's Prayer so much as it is the disciples' prayer. This is the prayer he gives us. And you're saying, wow, I, I, 
I've always heard it differently that there were more words to it. There was, you know, and thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. And understand from the gospels, it seems like Jesus taught this several times, that this is the kind of prayer that he would teach his disciples. And there was more than one occasion when he offered it, and and he really was never giving you like the Pledge of Allegiance that you're supposed to recite word for word. It's just a model prayer. So from time to time when Jesus would give this model prayer, he, he might give it slightly differently than other times, but that's sort of part of the point. It's not about the words. It's just following the model. It's, it's the shaping of the heart for prayer. You understand? So let's go on. Verse 5. Then teaching them more about prayer, Jesus used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. And you say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit and I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me. The door is locked for the night and my family and I are all in bed. I can't help you. But I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he'll get up and give you whatever you need just because of your shameless persistence. And so I tell you, Keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Just keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. You fathers, if your children ask for a fish, you give them a snake instead. Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more, you understand? How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit? How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Once Jesus was in a certain place praying, and when he finished, one of his disciples came and said, Lord, teach us to pray. When I was in my single days, uh, I had a good buddy. His name was Johnny. His wife is Jenny. They're still good friends of mine. Um, I was single. Johnny and Jenny were married, uh, a young married couple. And uh, I spent a lot of time at their house. And Johnny and Jenny made a very big impression on me in a lot of ways, but especially when it came to marriage. And again, I was single. But, but I would watch Johnny with Jenny. I would just watch this man, this, this young man who loved his wife with his whole heart. And you could see that. You could just see it in the way they were together. And I watched that as a single man at their house. I watched the way they would sit down at this very simple table with very simple food, but they would eat together and thank God for it and pray together. And they would always sit on the same side of the table like on, like on a TV show. I always thought that was kind of funny. Um, I loved his very, very gentle and tender way with Jenny, the way he talked with her, and, and they laughed, and they cried, and they prayed together. It was just so beautiful. And I loved how after supper sometimes he would go to that big grand piano in the middle of their living room, and he would just uh, write songs for her on the spot and sing songs to her. It was just so beautiful. And in my life, I've seen a lot of Christian couples and a lot of godly men and women, don't get me wrong, but there was just something about Johnny with Jenny that in that very impressionable time of my life, I I just looked at them and I thought, I want that one day. I I did. I I just looked at them and I said, I I want that. I I want what Johnny has with Jenny one day with my wife. I want to come home to that every day. Watching them together just stirred this longing in me and this, and this determination that one day I want to have that. And it's the same kind of thing that seems to happen in Luke chapter 11 and, and apparently other times in Jesus' ministry because Jesus would pray. Now, when Jesus prayed, understand he didn't pray like other people, and that's part of what made the disciples come to him and ask for lessons because Jesus would specifically preach and teach against the way other people prayed. The the, the religious leaders of the day, they tended to pray for show. You know what I mean? In other words, they tended to pray mostly when somebody else was looking or listening or when somebody would know that they had prayed. And Jesus specifically said, if, if that's all you want in prayer to be noticed, then, then you'll be noticed and that's all you'll get. I mean, I mean if, if that's what you want in prayer, then, then that's probably what you, you'll get. But, but Jesus was different. 
And the disciples could see the difference. Now, these are Jewish men, too, and they had been trained in traditions of, of their praying mothers and fathers. But still, when they saw Jesus pray, and I don't know what they saw. I can only imagine, but, but something about that, when, when Jesus would come back from his private prayers, they would just meet him and say, Jesus, we want that. What, what you have with the Father, that's what we want. We want to know how to have that. We, we want you to teach us how to pray. Now, the kind of funny thing, and it's not funny, but... but, but Knowing you and me, and especially if you know me, some of you said before, Brother Tim, I just, I don't know how to pray. And I'll typically say something like, oh, prayer, it's the easiest thing in the world. And seriously, on the one hand, it is just the easiest thing in the world. You're just talking to God. You're talking to God, talking to God as a friend, talking to God as a father. It's just talking to God. And I know you people know how to talk. It's just the easiest thing in the world on the one hand. So, so, so pray. And, and I've sometimes said that there's no wrong way to pray. You just pray. You, you pray as you can, not as you can. You just pray. And that's typically what I say. You can't do it wrong. You just got to pray. Just pray. It's easiest thing in the world. Just talk to God. But then I, I come to this scripture, and I realize that, that that's not what Jesus says when his disciples come and say, teach us to pray. Jesus doesn't say, oh, it's the easiest thing in the world, just talk to God. That's not what Jesus says. And Jesus doesn't say, you can't do it wrong. Jesus doesn't say that. When the disciples come to Jesus and they say, please teach us to pray, Jesus says, okay, when you pray, pray like this. In other words, Jesus offered lessons. He never said, you don't need me to teach you how to pray. You know how to pray. He never says that. He just very, very kindly offers some lessons, some teaching on prayer. So that in itself, honestly, teaches us a couple of things. The first thing it teaches us is that maybe we can be doing it wrong. Maybe there are wrong ways and right ways to pray, and maybe we need to be taught how to pray. I don't know... What else to conclude from this passage? Jesus taught his disciples how to pray, which means we maybe need some lessons. But maybe we need some teaching on this, and Jesus offers it. So maybe you can be doing it wrong, and maybe I can be doing it wrong. And so maybe we need to learn some things. And that's what Jesus seems to imply. You maybe need to be taught some things so that you can pray as you should. But, but the other lesson here is, is that you can learn. That we can all learn. If Jesus offers lessons in prayer, then that simply means that this is something that we can get better at. So, so the frustration or the boredom or whatever you've experienced in prayer, understand you can get past that. You can learn how to be better at prayer. Your prayer life can improve. Your prayer life can grow. And Jesus wants it to. That's why he offers teaching and prayer. You with me? Our prayer life can grow, and you and I can learn how to be better on our knees. And so this is the point of Jesus' teaching, and honestly, the point of this sermon. So, so let's get right to it. Jesus said, this is how you should pray. Now follow with me. I'm in verse 2. This is how you should pray. Now because Jesus gives us this prayer in several places, and because he never seems to say the exact same words twice, then, then that leads me to believe that he really never expects us just to recite prayers that we memorize like we memorize the Pledge of Allegiance. It's not that kind of thing. Prayer is not just simply something that you recite, something you learn and memorize, and, and then you just sort of spout off with it when you get nervous or scared in, in life. Prayer is is different. And Jesus wants to calibrate our hearts here, not so much teach us words to use, but what kind of heart is it that, that prays? And it begins, Jesus said, this is how you should pray, Father, our Father. You've probably heard preachers say, because it's true, that, that, that Jesus right there is doing something that nobody else had ever done. It's the word he uses there for, for father. It's, it's, it's a childish word. It's kind of like when you see a, a little child talking to her father and she would call him daddy. It, it's that word. It, it, it's the child's word. It, it is um, a sign of relationship. 
So, so right there, you, you need to understand this. Prayer is relationship. It, it's not simply talking to God, but, but it is engaging in a relationship with God where he is uh, your father, your daddy, or as Jesus says here, maybe your friend. But, but it is... It is relationship. Prayer is about relationship. That's why so many people get frustrated in prayer. Let's be really honest. Let's be really honest today. Some of you don't want God. You don't want a relationship with God. You don't want God up in your stuff all the time. You just really sort of want God there when you want him. Sort of like your heavenly errand boy. And so when you need God, which means when you feel overwhelmed or, or you can't pay your bills or your wife's walking out the door, then all of a sudden you want God and you start praying. And you pray very seriously. I mean, you, you're you know, praying and sweating bullets. I mean, at that point, you're seriously praying. But you don't understand something. That's not how prayer works. But prayer's not something you just turn off and on. It's not something that's in today and out tomorrow. Prayer is a relationship. And prayer for you is never going to work if you don't want God. If you don't want God in your life. Do you understand? It's, it's a relationship, not just something here today and gone tomorrow. It's, it's relationship. It's, it's like your best friend that you could call on at any time of day or night, and, and you do. It's, it's like your father whom you trust and you love. And it's just everyday, ongoing, joyful, deep relationship. Prayer is first relationship. Which brings us to the age-old question, if you don't have that kind of relationship with God, if you don't have a saving relationship with God through Jesus, then, then does God hear your prayers? Does God hear the prayers of pagans? Does God hear the prayers of the lost people? Does God listen to everybody's prayers? That's a hard question, and, and the answer is kind of hard, too, but but let me show you some verses so you don't have to take my word for it. Look at Psalm 66, verse 18. Go ahead and turn the pages or you'll think I made this up. Psalm 66, 18. Very simply, this is part of the answer to the question. Does God listen to the prayers of everybody? Does God listen to prayers of lost people and pagans and people outside of relationship with him and Psalm 66, 18 says this, If I had not confessed the sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. If I had not confessed the sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. Now, we know that God is God, and, and, and he knows everything and hears everything. So it's not that God wouldn't hear the prayers, but the question is, is God going to hear in such a way as to respond to the prayers of a person who doesn't have that relationship with him? And the biblical answer to that question, for the most part, is no. No. Because remember, prayer is relationship, and what you have to understand and never forget is that sin blocks that relationship. Sin separates us from God. So, so very truly, if you've never come to God confessing your sins and taking care of your sin problem, then you do not have a relationship with God, and, and therefore, he does not listen to your prayers. Now, he hears them, but, but he can't listen to respond because your sin blocks that relationship. Does that make sense? One more verse. Look at John chapter 9, verse 31. John chapter 9, verse 31. This is a different kind of context. John chapter 9, verse 31. This is the man who was, Jesus healed when he was born blind, and he's speaking now, and he says this. John chapter 9, verse 31, we know that God doesn't listen to sinners, but he is ready to hear those who worship him and do his will. You've got to understand that it's, it's relationship. It's a relationship. And you can't just have God when you want God. Prayer begins relationship where you, where you want him in your life, and, and you want to belong to him. And there is a relationship, a close, deep relationship of love and trust. And, and I'm not saying that you can't even have that today. I'm just simply saying if you don't want God, then you can't have a real kind of prayer life. Do you understand? It's just never going to work that way. Jesus says pray like this, and he says pray, Father, may your name be kept holy. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. 
thy will be done, we often hear on earth as it is in heaven. Thy kingdom come. It's not just relationship. The attitude that we come to God in prayer also must be one of surrender. You have to surrender. Now, too often when you and I pray, we expect that prayer is a moment when we sort of speed dial God and we tell God what we want. We tell God what we want, and typically we tell him that we want it now. We tell him when to give it to us, and then we typically have a pretty good idea of how he should deliver that to us. And we tell God exactly how to do his thing, and then if God doesn't do exactly what we wanted, exactly as we asked, then we stay mad. We get mad at him. And, and I have a good feeling that I'm speaking to people right now. Some of you quit praying a long time ago because you got mad at God because he didn't listen anyway. He didn't do what you asked him to do, and therefore you just quit praying. You're going to show God, ain't you? No, the attitude that Jesus says you pray with is, is God, your will be done. Thy kingdom come. What's that mean? Thy kingdom. Thy kingdom come. I, I want your kingdom in my life. And the only way to have God's kingdom in your life is to make sure that God is king in your life. You understand? God's kingdom exists wherever he is on the throne. And so, therefore, if God's kingdom is going to come to your life, you have to abdicate the reign. You have to give up the right to be the master of your own life. You have to let him be king. And when God is sovereign in your life, then you can say that his kingdom has come to your life. You have to give up your desire to be in control of everything. You have to give up your desire to call the shots. Lord, I want what you want. That's how you pray. I want what you want. I want what you want. I want it the way you want it. I want it when you want it, Lord. I surrender. Your will be done. Now, now this is prayer. This is prayer. And now some of you are already thinking, well, well, who needs that? You know, I need cash now. I need my marriage fixed now. I need somehow for God to heal my receding hairline now. I want it now. No. No, 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 you're missing this. You're, you, you're missing this. It's, it, it's surrender. You, honestly, I promise you, you want what God wants because what God wants for you is best. He, he truly knows what's best. You don't know. You just don't know what you need. You think you know, but you don't know. You need to surrender and just trust that he truly knows better than you know what needs to happen in your life. You just need to learn to surrender. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, I just want what you want. It's, it's, it's surrender. And it's dependence. Give us each day the food we need. Give us this day our, our daily bread. Verse 3, give us each day the food we need. That's the language of dependence. When you pray, you have to come to God with, with just the very basic and honest recognition that you need him, that, that everything good comes from him, that apart from him, you don't have anything and you can't have anything good. And honestly, everything good in your life, it's already come from God, and, and that's how good he is. He blesses you in ways that you never even thought to ask. Every single day, give us each day, Lord, our daily bread. He takes care of us. You ever seen that old painting, and it's old and actually quite famous. There's an old man sitting at an old table, and he's sitting there with nothing but a loaf of bread in front of him, and he's got those wrinkled old hands folded in prayer, and he's praying. It's a very famous picture of prayer, and it's a man, old man sitting before a loaf of bread. You've seen that? There's a girl who had that hanging in her grandma's house in the kitchen over the table, the picture of the old man praying over the loaf of bread. One day, her Granddaughter was looking at the picture for the longest time, just looking up at that man over that loaf of bread praying. And she said, Grandma, I think I know what he's praying for. Grandma said, what, baby, what do you think he's praying for? She said, he ain't got no peanut butter. Okay, in our lives... We often think we need peanut butter. God knows we just need bread. You understand that there are felt needs sometimes. I feel like there are things that I want and need. And I often take those to God and there's nothing wrong with that. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But the thing is, 
often what I feel like I need is not truly what my heart needs. And sometimes when I pray, I don't get what I ask for for, for, for this very reason. Look at the book of James. Open to James. I want you to see this verse too. James chapter 4, verse 3. Look at James 4, verse 3. This explains many of our frustrations in prayer. James chapter 4, verse 3. Even when you ask, you don't get it. Because your motives are all wrong, you want only what will give you pleasure. Even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You understand? We pray just for things that we want, and we don't really know what we want. We just never do. But God knows. That doesn't mean we don't come to God and ask for what we want. Honestly, I don't know what else I pray for. God knows I'm a doofus. God knows that, that I have felt needs, things I think I need. I, I think I really, I, I need peanut butter, but God knows I need bread, you understand? So sometimes I pray for peanut butter, but God gives me bread. And I'm telling you, God always gives me what is best for me. God is never going to leave me w- without what, what my soul needs. God is going to take care of me. But often what I think would actually help me would harm me. And God is a wise father. He's not going to give me what would harm me. He's not going to give me in, in any way what, what would somehow drag me from further away from him, God is going to give me the bread that my soul needs. He always, always answers prayer and he always gives you what is best. Give us this day our daily bread. You think you need peanut butter, but I'm telling you, God knows you need bread. And what you need is bread. Bread is what he'll give you. It's not that he doesn't listen. It's just that so often he's so much wiser than we are. When we pray, we don't even know what we're asking. He always answers. He always takes care. It's just not always the way you expect. I heard, a preacher tell, I heard a preacher tell a story about a, he was preaching revival in an itty-bitty country church. Y'all know anything about itty-bitty country churches? Um, anyway, he was preaching, and he was really, he was, he, was, he was giving them heaven, you know. He was just really into it. And uh, all of a sudden, this giant horsefly, you know about horseflies? Giant horsefly was just, like, right around his face, just blown, this giant horsefly. It was huge. It, was, it looked like a, a man in a fly suit. You know, it was giant right here from his face. And he's trying to preach. And things just blowing around his face. And he's fanning and doing everything, but still trying to stay in the sermon. And so he takes a moment. He stops. He kind of looks down at his Bible. And he whispers a prayer, just a quick prayer. And he says, God, please make that fly go away so I can finish this sermon. God, make this fly go away so I can finish my sermon. He looked back up. He's ready to preach. The very next time he opened his mouth, the fly flew straight in. (laughs) Understand? The fly flew straight down his throat. Understand? God answered both prayers. The sermon ended, and the fly was gone. We don't always know exactly what we're asking for when we pray, but when we pray, God answers, and God always gives us exactly what we need and exactly the timing that is necessary. You understand? He is a wise, loving Father. So when we pray, we just pray, God, give us today what we need because, honestly, everything you need is going to come from Him. There is no other source. There's no other source of everything that you need, everything your soul needs. You've got nowhere else to turn, no one else to ask. You are totally dependent upon God, and your prayer life is a measure of that dependence. If you don't pray, it's just a very, very simple sign that you don't think you need God. If you don't get up every day and and start the day in prayer, it's just a very simple sign that you don't think you need God today because when you know you need him, you pray, don't you? This is what I'm saying. You need him all the time. You need him every day. That's why the Bible says pray without ever stopping. Pray without ceasing. Because you need him. Every day, all the time, every minute, everything good comes from him, including the breath in your lungs. You need him. Totally dependent. And so when we pray, we say give us this day our daily bread and and forgive forgive us our sins even as we forgive those who sin against us you just heard me say that that, that sin blocks our relationship with God and even as believers even for those of us who walk in close relationship with God I still have a problem with sin and so do you 
and to be real honest, I don't always even think about my sin. To be really honest, I actually kind of like a lot of my sin. I mean, I'm doing what makes me feel good. I'm doing what brings me pleasure. I mean, that's that sin. And so honestly, I don't even think of a lot of what I do with sin until I start to pray. Y'all with me? Have you experienced that? I feel pretty good about myself sometimes until I start to pray. And, and then in the moment of prayer, it just starts coming back up. And, and, and it's like the, the darkness in me all of a sudden is exposed to the light that comes from God's presence. And, and I don't look very good in that light. And I don't feel very good about myself in the light of his holiness. And, and prayer kind of kicks that mess up in me. That's why ingredient in the life of prayer is an understanding that I am a sinner in rather constant need of forgiveness. And I need to pray and I need to ask for that forgiveness. And that is a part of the everyday prayer life because I sin every day. And the scripture makes plain that if we confess our sin, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But understand, it begins with that act of confession. I have to, in prayer, just agree with God that my sin is wrong, that it's an offense to him, and that it needs to be rooted out of my life. Forgive us our debts. Forgive us our trespasses. Forgive me my sin. I'll show you a verse. Men, I'm really speaking to you now. Turn to 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. Talked about sin blocking our relationships. But guys, I want you to see this verse in particular. Ladies, you can, you can take a break here if you need it. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. This is for the guys. Husbands, in the same way, husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are. In some of your cases, that's debatable, but she may be weaker than you are. But, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. So treat her as you should so your prayers will not be hindered. I told your wife not to listen, but I know she heard that. You're in trouble, buddy. Yeah. Treat her as you should so that your prayers will not be hindered. It's one of the most amazing verses in Scripture. There's really nothing like that about wives, but it's about husbands. It's, it's a simple word there, husbands, that your prayers are blocked when the relationship with your wife is not right. Understand that? You don't treat her like you're supposed to treat her. That affects your relationship with God. Your prayers are blocked. See, God was there the day you stood at the altar, if it was five years ago or 50 years ago. God was there the day that you promised to love, honor, and cherish, and protect her. And, and God still takes those promises very seriously. And to the extent that you don't take those promises seriously, your prayer life is hindered. This, this is what I'm saying. When, when we come to God in, in prayer, stuff just gets kicked up. The, the stuff that ordinarily we, we don't want to face, we don't want to think about, the, the things that we, we don't know how to handle... The, the failures, the weaknesses that ordinarily we can hide, you don't hide those things from God. And the only answer for that is, is, is forgiveness. You understand? If I could be a better man, I'd already be a better man. If, if I could change myself, I would have already changed. I need God to change me and forgive me and make my heart clean because I can't do that on my own. And, and I've been walking with him a long, long time, but, but I'll never outgrow this part of prayer life. It's just, God, I, I, I've sinned, and, and, and I beg your forgiveness. I, I want you to take that from my life and, and help me not to wander into that place again. And, 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 and God, make my heart pure. It's, it's just the most honest way I know how to pray because when I pray, that stuff gets kicked up in me. The, the Holy Spirit will convict me of my sin. And, and I need that forgiveness. But then notice it goes one step further, and this is so hard for some of us, but, but it says, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. 
Forgiveness is like an electrical circuit. In other words, it can't be broken at any place or else the whole thing, the whole thing sort of goes out. And forgiveness is like that. The forgiveness that flows into your life from Christ, that forgiveness that you depend on and you beg for every day, the forgiveness that you're counting on for your salvation, you understand? That forgiveness, it flows into you, but the clear word of Scripture is it's supposed to flow then out from you to other people. In other words, you can't absolutely depend upon a God who has grace and mercy on you, but then you don't show grace and mercy to other people. You have to forgive, and this is a part of everyday prayer life. I'm asking for God's forgiveness, and at the very same time, I am just letting that forgiveness flow to other people. You have to forgive, and this is a part of your relationship with God. You have to forgive. You have to let things go. You cannot harbor grudges against other people. You cannot continue to rehearse and practice remembering everything everybody's done to you. If you're going to have a genuine prayer life and and a productive relationship with the Father in heaven who loves you, you're going to have to learn to let that forgiveness not just flow into your life, but out of your life. You understand? Brother Tim, I just can't do it. You don't understand what people have done to me. I have no idea what people have done to you, but I know what Christ has done for you. And I know that that, that in every one of our lives, forgiveness is something that is out of our reach. We just can't do it. It's hard. It's impossible. Only God can forgive like that. But this is what I'm telling you. God is a God who will do impossible things. And this is a miracle that, that you require, but it's also the miracle that God will do for you. If you will open your heart to the possibility of God creating that miracle of forgiveness in you, you will find that, that, that in your life you will be able to forgive. You can do this. It's going to take practice. It won't happen automatically. It may take days and days, weeks and weeks, maybe years. But you practice it. Because right now you're practicing not forgiving. You set the alarm early. You get up every day just to go over everything everybody's done to you. And if somebody will stop and say, how are you doing today? You'll tell them what everybody's done to you. You can't wait to rehearse it, can you? Oh, my goodness. Every time anybody brings up marriage, you just can't wait to tell them about your ex-husband. Let me tell you about the devil. Oh, you love telling those stories. And every time anybody mentions their mama, you just can't wait to tell them about what your mama did to you and you're no good kids. You can't wait to tell what your kids have done now. They never come around. You notice how you practice that? You've gotten really good at not forgiving because you practice it every day. You, you love to, to turn out the lights and sit there and feel sorry for yourself and, and just sort of go over all the wounds in your heart and finger those and feel the pain and hate people. You you practice that, and you've gotten very good at it, but this is what I'm telling you. You've got to stop that, and and this is part of what the prayer's about. God, forgive me my sins as I forgive those who've sinned against me. It flows in and out of me, and it's going to take practice because I'm not very good at forgiving. I'm just like you. I can still remember what the kids on the school bus did, October 1972. Remember? So rather than practicing remembering, I just sort of try to practice forgetting and and forgiving. Because it's part of prayer. Because when I pray that need of forgiveness in my own heart, it always comes up. And and let's be really, really straight here. This is why some of you don't pray. Some of you used to pray but you don't anymore. And if we could sit down and ask, you know, when do you think you stop praying? If we really come down to it, it would probably be a place where, where you chose sin. I mean, stop and think. You know, I used to pray more, and you'd probably say, well, you know, back when I was serving. I heard a man say that once. When I was serving more, I was serving the Lord. Heard one lady say, you know, when it comes down to it, I think it all kind of fell apart when I let my boyfriend taught me to let me move in and so once you give sin that place in your life then understand if you are going to cling to that sin it's going to destroy your prayer life because sin blocks that relationship that that freedom and prayer that, that you want and you crave a lot of us used to pray 
and this kind of message just kind of makes you feel guilty because you do remember what it used to be like to pray and it's hard to explain why you stopped and maybe it was sin I'm not saying it was necessarily sin I know that some of you are very disappointed with God you feel like you prayed for something and, and, and you just feel like God didn't answer it's not that he gave you something better it's just like he gave you nothing it's like the prayer just fell back off the ceiling in your face that's, that's what I love about this teaching on prayer because when the disciples say Jesus teaches us to pray, he, he gives that little model prayer. He talks about the heart of prayer, of relationship and surrender and, and dependence and forgiveness. But then he says, but it's also like this story. And then he tells a story about a guy who goes to a friend and asks for something. And for the longest time, it seems like he's not going to get what he's asking for. Now, I'm, I'm a preacher, and I've been a Christian for uh, 42 years. And I have to say, that's still my experience in prayer a lot. You, you know, it's like I'm begging God for something, and I, I don't really know if he's going to give it to me or not. It's like I'm asking and asking and asking, and, and it's just, I don't even know if the prayer's going past the ceiling sometimes. It's, it's, like, it's like nobody's listening. And I love that Jesus, in his teaching about prayer, goes straight to that. I love that more than anything. I love that when Jesus wants to teach his disciples to pray, he gives them the model prayer. And then he says, let me tell you this story about this friend who looks like he's not going to do it. He looks like he's not going to provide. But, but then the story goes, and it's supposed to be a funny story. It's not really that God is like this guy. He's just saying, can you even imagine this happening? Can you imagine a genuine friend who you come and you need to say, I I've got company at my house and, and, I, and I need bread. I need something to feed them. Can you help me? And Jesus says, can you even imagine your friend saying, no, go away. I'm in bed. No, go away. My kids are in bed with me. I'll wake them up if I have to help you. Shh, go away. Jesus knows that's never going to happen, especially in their culture where hospitality and friendship are just values. That man would never say no, and that's the point of the story. He's never, ever going to say no. But Jesus says, even if your friend said no, if you stood out there and begged long enough, eventually he'd just start throwing food out the window to make you go away. I mean, eventually, if you just keep at it, he'll give you. And then Jesus says, if, 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 if we're like that, how much more is God going to be willing to answer prayer? How much more? So understand, this is exactly where Jesus goes, to that experience of prayer where you're saying, please, please, God, please. Please. Because that's what prayer feels like a lot of the time, doesn't it? Please. So Jesus says this. When it comes to prayer, keep on asking. Keep on asking. Please. Just keep on asking. And just keep on knocking at the door. You just keep on. You beat a path to God's door every day. And you just keep knocking on that door. You just keep on. Please. You just keep on knocking. And you just keep on seeking, Jesus says. You just keep on praying. Because I'm telling you, there will be moments in your prayer life and it will be really, really easy to quit. And you can't quit. You can't give up praying because God is listening. And God is there, and he's going to answer. Maybe not immediately. You may have to keep on asking. You may have to ask for days, months, sometimes years, but don't you stop. Don't ever stop. Just keep on praying, Jesus says. Just keep on praying. Because everyone who asks receives, and everyone who knocks has the door opened, and everyone who seeks finds. You just keep on praying. If you fathers know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give? Notice, it doesn't say good things, because that's what I wanted to say. If fathers know how to give good things to their children, how much more will your heavenly father give you good things? That, no. How much more will your heavenly father give you 
the Holy Spirit. What's that mean? What's that mean? Well, God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit three in one. So bottom line, no matter when you pray and what you pray for, there, there's always one answer that always comes. The answer to every prayer is God's own self. Do you understand? He will always give you himself. He will always be with you. He will never leave you. Always willing to bless your life. When you pray, something always happens. God always listens. Always sends his spirit to be with you. And I promise you, I promise you, if you have God with you, there's not anything left to need or want. He's everything. So I'm asking you to come back to prayer. Come back to praying. Maybe you used to pray more than you do now. Maybe you wish now that you didn't always feel so frustrated or, or feel like stopping. This is what I'm saying. I, I want you to come back to praying. And, and God knows that we don't always know what to ask for. And, and honestly, most of my prayers, oh my goodness, I mean, they must be just so, so dumb sounding in, in God's ears, except that he just loves to have me come and pray. It's a relationship. I don't always know what to ask for, but, but Jesus still says, ask and just keep on asking. Just keep on asking and knocking and seeking because he's a good God who loves, loves, loves to take care of us. There's a grown man who was cleaning out the garage with his daddy, his old father, old man. They were cleaning out the garage and they moved behind a toolbox and there was this uh, leather cassette tape case for you old people. Uh, cassette tapes, kind of like CDs, <laughs> uh, only not. And uh, he said, Daddy, you remember the day I got this cassette tape case? And the father said, yeah, I'll never, I will never forget that day. And the son said, Daddy, you told me that if I could, if I could get an A in math in eighth grade, that you would take me to the mall and buy me anything I wanted anything I wanted and at that point I had a D and you probably thought it would never happen but, but I worked and worked and I got an A in math and then you took me to the mall that Friday when report cards came out you took me to the mall and you said son I made a promise I'll buy you anything in this mall you want and I got this tape case this cassette tape case father said son why in the world did you want that tape case the son said well dad um, you know I just, I didn't, you know, I knew that you weren't going to give me anything I wanted at the mall. I knew you weren't going to give me anything I wanted. And uh, this was just there, and I kind of needed a tape case. And uh, so I, I just let you get me the tape case. And then the father, uh, tears come up in his eyes. He said, son, you never realized that that day I put $1,000 cash in my pocket. And I borrowed $1,000 cash from Uncle Glenn, $2,000 cash in my pocket, and I brought the checkbook. I made you a promise. And that day, I was prepared to buy you anything in that mall you asked for. You underestimate God, my friend. You, you don't understand that when he promises to give to you and when he promises to answer your prayers, when he promises to care for you, you don't understand that he is going to keep that promise in ways that you can't even imagine. He's ready to give you things you can't even ask for. And he's not going to give you anything that would harm you or hurt you spiritually. He's always going to give you what's best, but you don't understand what God would be ready to do for you. You're praying very small prayers. You're praying maybe once a week for less than a few minutes a week because you don't understand this God to whom you're praying. You don't understand his power. You don't understand his wealth. You don't understand his willingness to stand behind his promises to you. So you just got to keep on praying and you got to ask and keep asking and, and knock and keep on knocking. You just got to understand that 
that sometimes prayer is just knocking until you feel like your knuckles are going to bleed. But, but don't ever doubt the fact that when you pray, when you knock, God is going to open his door to you. So right now, stop, let's pray. Bow your head. Bow your head. I want you to pray. I want you to pray. Do not let your mind wander. We're not going to pray for long, but I want you to pray. Let's begin by just being still and quiet and recognizing God's presence. I want you to begin this prayer with the full knowledge that God is real, that he's powerful, and that you have access to him. So stop right now and, and just praise him. Be still and know that he is God. Think about creation if you must. Think about the heavens, how great and grand they are, the sun, the moon, the stars. Think about his goodness in your life and just stop right now and acknowledge his power, his glory, his holiness silently. Come into his presence, praise him, love him, adore him. the hard part of it. I want you to confess your sins to him. Confess. Just agree with him about your sin. Name them one by one. Ask the Holy Spirit to kick them up or bring them up into your mind. Ask forgiveness. Confess. And if there's anyone in your life that you need to offer forgiveness to, confess that sin as well. Begin to forgive. Confess your sins right now to the Lord. He's listening. Let's stop and thank him. Thank him for grace, for mercy, for forgiveness, and thank him for every other blessed good thing in your life. Thank him for his blessings. Spend some time in Thanksgiving. Thank him. He's good. I want you to ask for things. He's a heavenly father who loves you, loves you. Ask. I want you to ask for big things. Ask for something impossible. He's an impossible God. Ask for something big. Ask for something that seems absolutely out of reach, something that could never be, could never happen. Ask God for something amazing. Ask. pray all these things in the name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen. Stand together. The altar's open if you wish to come forward to pray.